Sometimes going after a wild idea means mustering up courage and speaking out when you know things aren't right, even if you have to risk important relationships, your livelihood, or your reputation. It can take a lot of courage to stay true to your integrity. Professional runner Alicia Montano knows how scary it can be to stand up for what you believe in. She's been using her voice to advocate for athletes who want to have children. Sometimes women in professional sports lose their sponsorships and brand contracts when they decide to become mothers. Alicia knows about this firsthand because it happened to her. A few years ago, she spoke out publicly about this issue, and her voice is still shaping the conversation in the industry today. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production. Alicia Montano is a professional runner who's competed at the highest possible level. At one point, she was one of the top three runners in the world. She's a two-time world champion and an Olympian. When Alicia competes, she runs with a flower in her hair. She tucks it into her ponytail because it represents something important to her. The flower in my hair represents being bold and courageous. It's about recognizing just like the strength in my being. A flower a lot of times, you know, represents like divine femininity in a lot of ways. You know, we see it in so many different spaces where we are recognizing the feminine being. And it's not supposed to be the ultra cliche of give me flowers because I'm a girl. It's about taking back that idea of delicacy and how we see the flower represented. So wearing the flower in my hair as I'm moving my body in motion, knowing, you know, that I am representing strength with that divine femininity. I wanted for that to be how people see women in sport. Throughout her career, Alicia has worked hard to show the world that women athletes are strong and bold and that their careers and accomplishments deserve respect. In 2014, Alicia became pregnant with her first child, and her sponsorship from a major brand was put on pause. She didn't have a source of income until she was able to hit her performance metrics again. This left Alicia in a tough spot. Her work was asking her to choose between having a baby and building her career. Eventually, Alicia spoke up. In 2019, she partnered with the New York Times to create a video that took the athletic industry by storm. Alicia Montano, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, you've done so much for women, for running, for moms. And I'm curious, you know, in 2019, this article, that's sort of how I discovered you. There's this big article in the New York Times about being a mother and being a professional runner and how mm -hmm. those two didn't jive. And you raised your voice and you made some things happen and changed the game for female athletes. And yeah. I'm curious, you know, well, first, if you want to talk about that time, that had to have been really hard. But I'm really curious also, like, what's changed since? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things that I find really just interesting is how people see people. Um, and this is, sounds so just basic. But what I mean by that is like, I think that as I grow into adulthood and, you know, you roll into different partnerships and relationships, I feel like people forget the base of like the fact that we are all 
people. We're all human. And so for me, rolling into my career as a professional athlete, I never thought that I wouldn't have an opportunity to like be myself, that I would have to be boxed into um, a space that one is discriminatory, two really oppresses individuals from like fully coming into themselves. Like many of us walk into this career as teens. Um, some of us, you know, early 20s, some of us, you know, later on. But so for me, when I decided that I'm not going to let this discriminatory and systemically broken system dictate how I lead and live my life. I know adding family, adding children to your life, expanding my family in that way, isn't harming anyone. <laughs> and I hoped that um, my partners and sponsors at the time would see me as human, which is like not a lot to ask for, but seems like it's a lot to ask for from people. And what I recognized in doing so was the holes that did not allow for there to be room for that to actually exist. And what I'm talking about is our contractual language that didn't have any space for maternity protections or growth in that in that area. You're just like literally, when you're looking at a contract, you see no protections for yourself. It is a kind of a dark place to be in where you're like, you cut, you just hope that somebody, you know, trusts in the ability for humans to love one another and care for one another. And that just isn't the case if it's not in writing, which is sad. So your contract was was paused. Like your contract with one of your biggest sponsors when you got pregnant, they were like, we'll just pause your contract. Yeah. So my first partner coming out of college, you know, when I mentioned pregnancy protections and noticing that it wasn't within our contracts. I asked about like, hey, what would happen if I were to become pregnant um, and have a baby? And they so bluntly just noted, we would just pause your contract and stop paying you. And what I recognize is that this partner did not support women wholly, um, which to me, like you just, that's not somebody who I want to partner with. And then I decided I needed to move on to another partner in hopes that like that has to possible that has to be a one off. Like they just are whack. And turns out it was an industry wide issue. And, you know, I remember after having my daughter and having my contract cut for having her and proving myself, that's the biggest thing. It's like this proof point of like like we have to prove our value, you know, our ability to like be whole people, which is wild to me. And it was like, you know, I won nationals at six months postpartum. I won nationals at 10 months postpartum. I broke an American record and a world record. I won two medals that year. I made the world championship team. And it was like... You even raced when you were eight months pregnant. Like I, ra- I ran with that partnership, uh, eight months pregnant, you know, sharing about, you know, my hope to destigmatize what career women could look like and just people like I don't know this is kind of how people end up here (laughs) just so you know (laughs) all of you (laughs) we all come out of a mom yes all of you yeah we're a part of a pregnant person (laughs) Alicia became a pro athlete right out of college and she knew that the contract she signed expected her to perform at a world-class level no matter what As a young woman who was thinking of starting a family, she understood that she'd probably lose her income during her pregnancy and postpartum period. 
It wasn't fair, but Alicia knew that it was par for the course in pursuing a career as a professional athlete. Six years after she signed that contract, she had her first child, and her main sponsor paused their agreement. After she delivered her baby, Alicia worked hard to regain her performance and moved on. But when that same sponsor came out with an ad campaign a few years later, Alicia felt the injustice all over again. The ad was about being more than an athlete. It told viewers, you can be a football player and a homecoming queen, a refugee and a pro soccer player. You get the idea. When Alicia saw the ad, she felt confused and defeated. How could this brand celebrate people being multifaceted while also taking away her athletic sponsorship when she became a mom? Fueled by years of frustration, Alicia took action. When, you know, that first partner that I was with came out with that ad, you know, that was like, dream crazy. And I'm like, ah, psych, no. That was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, I was like, that's not what you really believe in. And everybody's out here loving to pretend that they believe in women's rights and they believe in protecting women and helping women elevate and grow and you know, have a seat at the table, create their own rooms with seats at the table. It was just was BS. Like, I always just wanted to be authentically me. Um, And I deserve the right to be that. And so with that commercial, it was like, on the record, here's the deal. And then it opened up the door for so many other athletes to tell their stories. And I didn't know that. Like, I was really like, I had nothing to lose. I was now three years without... Um, a contract because I told that partner that I wanted to have another kid and they were like, absolutely not, which was shocking to me and devastating. But at the same time, I was like, I want people to work with me. If I share that this happened with more than one company, like, like, how will I be supported? And what I recognized was like, there are so many women who won't get this opportunity to be supported if I don't speak up. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear your why. Like, how did you get the courage to talk about something? That was so scary. I mean, there's NDAs, there's all sorts of things that could happen. You did it anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely had an, uh, you know, my daughter, she was born in 2014. And that op-ed came out in 2019. (laughs) Wow. So it was a... I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was... Yeah, that's a long time ago. It's a long time. It was a build, if to say the least, of courage. And it was a lot of soul searching of like not only what I deserved, but like what women deserved, what people deserved. And what I saw just in the sports industry in general was again, like I name it like this because this is how I've seen it, is there's this loss of humanhood. There's this loss of you're like commoditized to like the 10th degree and absolutely not if you're going to be someone who's pregnant. And like, you know, let's add to all of the groups of marginalization that devalue people. Um, and what I recognize in growth and with the t- with time and fighting for myself and fighting to find my way back into sport and deciding I'm not going to let any career, industry, or people dictate my happiness and what I do with my life. A few years after Alicia had her first child, she was ready to expand her family again. At that point, her sponsor told her that they would terminate her contract. Alicia decided to have another kid anyway, because it's what she wanted. By the way, Alicia is now a mother of three. She had her third kid in 2020. With my first child, 
when I became pregnant, I hesitated to like share it. I was like 10 weeks, but I also felt it was important and it was part of my authenticity and me wanting to like just like I knew I was doing nothing wrong. Um, and so when I shared, I was pregnant, I called, I was like, brought up all the courage to call them. And I was like, I'm pregnant. You know, and they're like, what? I was like, I'm pregnant. They're like, what? I was like, I am pregnant. And they're like, oh my gosh, are you calling us because you're afraid of what's going to happen to your contract? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, um, like, don't worry about your contract. These were, there was a woman at the head of athlete marketing and partnerships. The CEO was not a woman, but, you know, she guaranteed verbally the same protections. The problem is she left by the time my daughter was born and there were two men that took her place. And that was the first thing that they said in my, my contract. It was like, hey, you know, look at your contract. You didn't perform top tier in the last year. I was like, you mean the the year I was pregnant for nine months of them? You know, like she'd said like it was going to be great. It was going to be fine. But the thing is, it wasn't in writing. So I still even encourage that athlete and all athletes to get it in writing, you know. And so that was why, you know, I started my nonprofit organization and mother. And it's about allowing for us to have our rights known and a space of advocacy. And, you know, we are pushing the industry leaders to fight for and support women athletes. And we're fighting for contractual language standards that are not standards for men. That was what I was told. They're like, you know, this contract is standard. I'm like, this is a standard contract for men. You know, you have an injury clause in there. There's nothing about maternity or pregnancy, postpartum protections. You're expecting for people to be back in a performance body, you know, in what, 12 weeks period of time? You want us to be like just winning all sorts of medals, you know? And I think like the one thing I don't want is for athletes to think that they have to live in my first pregnancy where I was able to win nationals at six months postpartum. That's not the standard. Like we need to be allowing people space, you know? My second, I was hardly able to participate in that way because one, I was cut from my contract. And now you're thinking you don't have enough money to even participate and train in the sport in that way. You know, a schedule where you're like carrying your baby with you because you now are childcare because the the money that you got from your job to help you with childcare is not existing. It's just all sorts of different stories. With my third, it took me a year to even feel like I can run more than three miles. So it's just also different and the standard can't be, you know, rush back into it. Otherwise you're gonna lose your livelihood. When we come back, Alicia talks about how she's impacted women athletes across the country, the organization she started called And Mother, and how motherhood has influenced her perspective on running. When the New York Times came out with a video about professional runner Alicia Montano, it sparked an important conversation in the sports industry. Women athletes started speaking out about losing their sponsorships when they became pregnant. Even for professional athletes, returning to training and racing after giving birth isn't easy. Shortly after the video was published, Alicia started an organization called And Mother. The nonprofit fights for women to be able to pursue motherhood and a career at the same time. (laughs) 
Okay, so Ann Mother, talk to me about when you started it. So my New York Times op-ed came out in 2019, and the reception was amazing. It was global reception. And I think it really had people see the catalyst of the time when I ran pregnant. And then the second time that I ran pregnant in 2017 at Nationals, and then like they saw the culmination, like this is what this is leading up to. And I decided like, hey, you know, we have a lot of momentum off of this movement. And I need to make sure that we can make this movement into impact. What are we going to do? So 2019, the op-ed came out in Mother's Day of uh, 2020, uh, we launched our nonprofit. We were full steam ahead after the op-ed w- came out. I decided to, you know, get with as many people as I possibly could to kind of help me um, found the nonprofit and put in place, you know, what exactly we were trying to do. Then a pandemic existed, you know, that happened. And my third child was born in February 2020. And somehow, you know, I was able to garner as much awareness as possible to get us to our third year now. Yeah, I love it. The The name and mother, to me, it's like, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a runner, you're a professional athlete, you're a surfer, you're a snowboarder, and mother. Is that That's the it. goal? Okay, That's cool. it. You I got it. it. <laughs> I love it. It's very yeah. powerful. Yeah. Do you have any stories from your community of how it's impacted any women? Oh my gosh. Uh, can Do we have time for another podcast? But this is why I'm still doing this. You know, it's like these impact stories are so huge. You know, just even knowing from our Changemakers grant and mother, the 14 athletes that were grantees from last year and hearing their stories of like what and mother has done for them and what me speaking out has done for them. Hearing Allison Felix, who's on and mother's board, kind of share that she would have never shared her story if it wasn't for me sharing my story. Kara Goucher, the same way, you know, whom we all know. Um, those impact stories are huge. And then there's women who are are running marathons, half marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks, who are sharing stories from their career tracks, you know, and all sharing about the levels and loss of support when they became mothers and like what they're fighting for and how it's encouraged them to continue to fight for themselves. And then I have people that are allies that are like, I would have never known this if it wasn't for me following you, Alicia. Like, I've always watched you running. I've always, you know, rooted for you in sport. And I myself am not a parent. I don't plan on becoming a parent, but I know how I need to show up and support um, parents across the board. And that's huge. You know, you don't have to be in someone else's shoes to know that we need to care for them. And Mother is partnering with some of the biggest races in the country. Last year, they were at the New York City Marathon, where they provided lactation accommodations along the race course. At the USA Track and Field Nationals, they ensured childcare on-site for all families in the sports industry, not just the athletes. And Mother also pushes brands to adopt contractual language that protects women who want to have children. These programs offer the kind of support that Alicia has always wanted as a professional runner and a mother of three. How has being a mom changed your relationship with running? How has it enhanced it? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. There are levels to this. Um, Well, first, I mean, this is just the truth. Children come along and they require a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I care about the time that I spend with my children. I care about them seeing me active. I care about encouraging them to be active. And it's made me really aware of how I talk to myself, how I talk about running, how I talk about movement, how I share with them about, you know, their own pursuits and how they play and those feelings. And I want them to remember those feelings of play because ultimately that's what running starts out for for us, right? It's play. And that's what it can continue to be. I think somewhere along the line for a lot of people, especially those folks who are doing it in a performance aspect, and some people who get stuck on numbers, myself included, always going for the PR, feeling down about, oh, if I don't get it, why am I doing this? Like getting back to that like core of play, seeing my kids enjoy it in that way always brings me back to my core. So like, what does that look like for you? You know, I I feel like I speak in a playful manner with my kids. Gosh, my tone is always about encouragement. My daughter, you know, for instance, she just joined Girls on the Run, which I'm yeah. so stoked about. And I did not ask her to do it. So I was like, she's like, Mom, I want to join this uh, after school program. I go, OK, what is it? She's like, Girls on the Run. I was like, keep it inside. Oh, God. You know, <laughs> I was like, cool. When is it Get on the Internet? Oh, gosh, you know, she sent me nothing like I don't have papers or anything to figure it out. I just did the fast Google search, looked at our area, signed her up. But, you know, when we're talking about running and all the things that she wants to do with it. And, then, you know, what the way I just talked to her is just encouraging her to have a good time and also letting her know it's it's OK to, you know, be competitive. It's OK to, you know, fall. But you do need to get back up. Mm, love it. Alisa, you're so badass. I love talking with you. Do you have any magic run stories that you want to share? Oh my gosh. I have so many stories. I honestly would love it if you guys could come out here, hang out with us for a little bit, because if you kind of saw how I rolled, you would, you won probably a little terrified. <laughs> how do you do it all? I just, I just do it. I have, it's, it's the fling method, you know, it's the fling method. It's put one limb out and then everything else follows. My thing is, my North Star is happiness. And I always go towards that feeling. I'm not saying I'm not human. I'm not exempt from depressive feelings and, you know, anger and any of those things. But my North Star is happiness. And that is not to be cliche. It's just as true for me. It's, again, the same reason why I chose to have my kids. I never let anybody else dictate what was going to be happy for me because I can feel that ping of my intentional being like who I know I am and I just fling towards her like that's who I want that's who I want to hang out with it's her Alicia Montano thank you so much for coming on wild ideas worth living you are such a rock star if you want to learn more about Alicia's organization and mother you can go to their website andmother.org that's a n d m o t h e r Org. To keep in touch with Alicia, her latest projects, and her adorable kids, check out her Instagram at Alicia Montano. That's A-L-Y-S-I-A-M-O-N-T-A-N-O. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, produced by Annie Fassler, Sylvia Thomas, and Sam Pierce-Nitzberg of Puddle Creative, and our senior producer is Jenny Barber. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow the show, when you rate it, and when you take the time to review it 
wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas.